The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host, a confident young man, a superb athlete, Gary Seegers. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Tuesday, October 4th edition of the show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful week thus far. Uh, We've already had Monday. Now we're through Tuesday. Of course, this is the Tuesday evening show where we hit on some of the news. We talk about most valuable players, the most watched games. I give you some NFL picks, etc. And then we talk about the college football viewing guide. So that is every Tuesday's show. The show is powered by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. They are, in fact, where the game begins. And, of course, I host the BetUS college football show. Every Tuesday, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. There's a link in the description. Go ahead and make sure that you hit that. You can watch it over at BetUSTV as well. BetUSTV.com. Make sure and go check that out. Every single week, we do a picks contest. This week, the winner... I should have written the name down. I think it's Sean John or something like that. Uh, I believe it's 82 Atlantic that always hops into the chat. Cheers to 82 Atlantic for winning this week's contest uh, of course, you got to hit me back up to get your Amazon gift card. But uh, yeah, every week we have a picks contest. This week's is live. Make sure that you go and enter. You can go over to winningcureseverything.com and hit the contest page right there. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, just a ton to talk about. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a shorter show. I try and make them shorter on Tuesdays. Sometimes they go kind of long, though, depending on what the news of the week is. But uh, but hopefully, we'll do a little bit shorter show this week. Uh With that said, let's go ahead and dive into topic number one here, and that would be Wisconsin has fired Paul Crist as their new head coach. Uh, Rephrase, rephrase. Wisconsin has fired Paul Crist as their head football coach, and the interim head coach is defensive coordinator Jim Leonard, who has been there since, I believe, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But here's, here's the situation. We knew that things were trending south for Wisconsin. The Big Ten is about to move from divisions into just one giant conference, so they're not going to have the built-in advantage as far as the schedule is concerned going forward. Uh, As it sits right now, that schedule is not actually much of an advantage, especially when you see Illinois come into town and win 34-10 playing the exact same kind of football that you have been known to play for a very long time. Brett Bielema built in one season what Wisconsin used to do I mean it's it's really remarkable to see how they were able to dominate that game when they were uh, uh, held to 300 yards of total offense and yet they were able to 
win the game 34 to 10 in Madison. I mean, that normally does not happen. So that's three losses now on the season for Wisconsin. And rather than wait until the end of the year, like forget being the classy bunch and all that, they go ahead and let go of Paul Christ. Now here is what I'm curious about. Christ, we're going to pull this up on, that is the wrong one. Uh, Paul Christ was owed over $19 million in his buyout. And he accepted $11 million in his buyout. Now, the story here is that he will be paid his full buyout no later than February 1st. So that is the situation. Why would he take $11 million when he can make $19 million over a longer span of time? Well, first off, any good investor usually tells you that taking the money up front is likely better. The other part of this is what was the situation with the contract? If Paul Chris decides that he wants to take another job, would some of whatever he makes at a new job would that be taken out of this buyout? So that's a question that you got to pay attention to, right? The other question that you might want to ask is was this just a complete firing or was Paul Christ kind of done with this too? Like do you think that maybe he was getting a little bit tired of the situation at Wisconsin? Uh yes, it, we know that there was pressure on him. It, I don't know it, we can get into the philosophical meaning of the word pressure. Like, how much pressure was there really? It's not like his family was going to go hungry or anything. But when you look at Paul Christ and how things have gone basically since the COVID season, remember Wisconsin got hit really, really hard during that COVID season. They had multiple guys out constantly with COVID, et cetera. And then, of course, you move along. He's he's an older guy anyway. We're moving along. Things are not going as well as he wants them to. Uh, he may have been asked to make some changes. He may have been, I mean, there's all kinds of things that could have gone on behind the scenes. He may have been tired of it. So if Wisconsin came to him and was like, eh, we're looking at possibly making a change, you know, whatever, and he's like, let's do it now. I mean, that is always a possibility. So we're never going to know exactly what happened behind closed doors. Uh, but that's, let's go ahead and move over to the potential candidates, right? I mean, that's, that's what we want to know. Why in the world was Wisconsin pulled the plug in the middle of the season if they don't know who it is that they're wanting to go get. And I think it's pretty obvious that there's really only two names on this list that they're going for. One, Nebraska has already made a coaching change. And one of the names that is highly sought after for them is Lance Leipold, of course, the head coach at Kansas right now. Well, if Leipold is looking at the Kansas job, uh, at the uh, Nebraska job, excuse me, I think he would much more prefer to go to Wisconsin where he actually went to school. He went to Wisconsin-Whitewater. He graduated from there, coached there for a very long time. He knows the Wisconsin landscape. And the way that his teams play is very reminiscent of the way that Wisconsin used to play. You strengthen your lines, you strengthen the trenches, and you build from there. And if you find a dynamic quarterback or whatever, then yes, your offense can do some really amazing things, but they are very much a run-first offense. That's exactly what they try and do. So, uh, if you want to get in this race early and you want to start talking to Lance Leipold, you're going to get rid of Chris now and you begin those negotiations with Leipold's people, whoever that may be, right? So, that is one name. The other name is the guy that is getting the interim job, Jim Leonard. He's a young guy, but he played at Wisconsin. He graduated from there. He's been on the staff there for a long time. Chris gave him the opportunity to be the D.C., 
he's a guy that took over for Dave Aranda, and the defense has not dropped off. They've dropped a little bit this season, but again, they gave up 34 points to Illinois, and they only gave up 300 yards. Like, the defense is still fine. There is no real issue there. The offense is the biggest issue for Wisconsin. Uh, when you look at this, I, I wonder about the And Ralph Russo with the AP actually tweeted about this not that long ago. But this is something that I'd kind of been wondering as well for a while. Sean Lewis is the head coach at Kent State. He's making, like, what? I want to say maybe $500,000 to be the head coach at Kent State. He was the OC for Dino Babers at Syracuse and then got the Kent State job, he played at Wisconsin. Like, that is a guy that really understands modern offense and the way to get chunk yards, etc. He is a dynamic play caller. That is maybe somebody that you could bring in, and we've seen this happen before. You could bring him in as the offensive coordinator for Jim Leonard. And there's ways to do that. Remember, there are coordinators in the SEC right now that wouldn't leave for head coaching jobs because they would make less money. Just throwing it out there. The only reason Mike Elko left Texas A&M as a $2 million coordinator was to go be the head coach at Duke where he was basically getting paid double that. And he he's getting old enough that he wanted the opportunity, right? Uh, and I don't blame him because playing with Jimbo's offense has got to be dreadful, right? I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we could look at, you know, all the different candidates, et cetera. But my guess is, like, if, if you got Jim Leonard to be your head coach, with Sean Lewis as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think you'd be I think that's a home run. That's absolutely a home run. If Jim Leonard is just able to steady the waters and meet somewhat the expectations for this season, yeah, that would work as well. Like Jim Leonard himself, even without Sean Lewis, I think could be a good hire for them. He's young, he has a lot to learn, obviously, but this is somebody that you might can find a way to build a dynamic offense with, possibly. So either him or Lance Leipold. Uh, Athlon actually has Dave Aranda as an option. I mean, he did. He was the D.C. there. Uh, but would he want to go back to Wisconsin, or does he want to stay at Baylor? I guess a lot of that depends on how this season goes, uh, what happens with the Big 12, media rights, et cetera. Uh, I mean, this is, this is going to test a lot of things. Is it better to be in the Big 12 where you think that you can win regularly or is it better to be in the Big Ten where it's a really good school where you can win, obviously, if you build it correctly, but also you're going to make a lot more money, I would assume. So Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell, of course, Iowa State head coach. Lance Leipold brought that up. Sean Lewis, head coach at Kent State. Uh, Jim Leonard, these are all people that I have talked about. Matt Rule, the head coach at the Carolina Panthers. He is basically on the short list for every big-time job that's going to come open this season if he's not going to stay at Carolina. Just saying. Uh, but if that's that's depending on if you're willing to wait that long because I don't think Matt Rule is going to leave in the middle of the season. Uh, so it'll be at least mid-January before you can get him. So if you don't care too much about recruiting and all that, you would be getting a good coach. But regardless, uh, Justin Wilcox from California is the last name on this list here. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that one happening. Don't see that one. But we'll see. Um... I don't know. He's a, he is a former Wisconsin assistant. Like he's he's been pretty successful at Cal. But regardless, I don't think any of that's going to matter. I think it's Lance Leipold uh, or or Jim Leonard, one or the other. So that's that's how I see that going down. But man, shocking to say the least. 
that that actually happened when it happened, right? Moving along, Colorado fired Carl Durrell. Now, this is not surprising. What is surprising to me is the fact that they went ahead and fired uh, the D.C., which was Chris Wilson. Uh, they just went ahead and got both of them out of town. Uh, the D.C., like that, that Colorado defense is putrid. I mean, it is so bad. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a defense that bad in a Power 5 league. It is abysmal. It doesn't matter who they play. They are getting smoked by everybody. The fact that Arizona was able to cover a three-touchdown spread on them this past weekend, don't get me wrong, I think Arizona got a lot of fun pieces, etc., but that is a roster that was just built. Carl Durrell had the Colorado job a full year before Arizona hired Jed Fish. And Jed Fish went 1-11 last year. And now you're telling me in year two, Arizona's able to do that to Colorado? Yeah, I think that was kind of the death knell for them. Um, when you look at the different options for Colorado, I just, it is all over the place. I don't know what they, what that program wants to be. I don't know what the identity is. Um, you know, you you pull up a list like this that Adam Rittenberg puts together, and it, he's got Ryan Walters, of course, the Illinois defense coordinator, Air Force uh, Air Force coach Troy Calhoun, Auburn coach Brian Harson, USC defense coordinator Alex Grinch. Like you're you're effectively looking at either coordinators or at retreads, right? Or group of five coaches. That this would be a step up, regardless of what the situation is with the Pac-12. Uh, but that is a big, big, big situation for them. Uh, Brian Harson, this would be just a comfy landing spot uh, if and when the situation happens at Auburn, right? We we know that he's not going to be the head coach at Auburn long term, but you've got a lot of different options. BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, uh, North Dakota State coach Matt Ince, Tulane coach Willie Fritz, USC defensive backs coach Dante Williams, who uh, was the interim coach for USC last year, uh, San Jose State coach Brent Brennan, Kansas City Chiefs offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy. They they tried to land him before. He wasn't interested then. I think the roster is actually worse now. So I don't know why he would take it. But regardless, uh, Oklahoma State OC Casey Dunn, USC defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. Uh, I, I just none of this is super exciting, other than maybe Troy Calhoun. And yeah, I think I think you could. If Colorado wanted to move to the triple option, which is effectively what Troy Calhoun would do, then yeah, I think they would be really successful at that because nobody else out there is doing that. Like they, they never even see it. You don't see Oregon or USC play Army or Navy, right? That just doesn't happen. So if you were to do this at Colorado, yeah, you could find ways to make that be successful. Uh, Calhoun is 57 years old. Like he's not been a Power 5 coach yet. But this, that could be very interesting. That could be something. Now, obviously, it depends on whether or not you want to be involved in what Georgia Tech went through. But Georgia Southern is showing you right now, you can you can transfer a portal your way out of the triple option if it doesn't work for some reason, right? So Troy Calhoun would be my, my pick for that if he's willing to leave Air Force and take it. But we'll see. We'll see. He might like the, uh, the regimented stuff at the Air Force Academy. We will see what happens. Next on the docket, the Big 12 rights apparently are worth more than the Pac-12 rights. Now, this is something that we've been going over 
time and time again, right? We, we've discussed it ad nauseum on this show. And the guy that brings it up again this time is Bob Thompson, who we had on the show not that long ago. And he says, I think the Big 12 gets 10 to 15% more than the Pac-12 on a per-school basis. Just a lot more rabid fans in total in the Southwest. Ratings are good. BYU brings huge following. Kansas and Kansas State are ranked. Texas and Oklahoma are not. Who would have ever thought? This is a massive, massive deal. Because people have been going back and forth over who is going to get paid more as far as the rights are concerned. And yeah, when you get into this kind of a situation, it means a whole lot as far as hiring head coaches, etc. I mean, we just talked about it with Colorado. We don't know what Colorado is going to be able to offer a head coach because nobody knows what the situation is out there. Like, it, we're talking about Big 12 getting 10 to 15% more? Well, then Colorado, along with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah could end up joining the Big 12 because we don't know what's going to go on with the Big 10 bringing in other schools as well. So we don't know what the Pac-12 is going to look like. Who is going to sign grant of rights? Who is actually going to sign their name on the dotted line for a lengthy amount of time? I don't know. None of it makes any sense at this point, right? Uh, the fact that the Big 12 would get 10 to 15% more is not shocking to me. No, the markets are not nearly as big as they are in the West Coast. But the passion, I mean, that's the big thing that Bob Thompson brings up here. Just a lot more rabid fans in total in the Southwest. Look at the stadiums. Look at the stadiums in the Pac-12. Look at the stadiums in the Big 12. Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, now that they've got a winner, uh, TCU, I mean, all of these, absolutely packed to the gills with fans that love football, and they are willing to watch it, they are willing to spend their money on it, and it makes a whole lot more sense. So yeah, obviously, I believe the Big 12 is worth more than the Pac-12, and I think we will continue to see this as it trends forward. So, uh, interesting stuff there from Bob Thompson. Next on the docket, this was a weird one. SMU players, actual current players on the roster, are going to sit out the remainder of this season in order to preserve their redshirt so that they can transfer to another school and have more years of eligibility. Going to pull up the story over at CBS. Now, this was, of course, first reported by the Dallas News. Uh, multiple SMU players to sit out remainder of 2022 season before entering portal per reports. Uh, it says three of the four players are or have been major contributors for the Mustangs over the past year. Uh, this is Shahan Jaraja. And multiple SMU players will sit out, and it's Isaiah Noakobi. Uh, I hope I say, I don't know how to say that name. I've, I've tried. Uh, my apologies. To those guys. Um, Chase Cromarty, uh, defense back receivers, Roderick Daniels, and Jalen Record uh, will enter the portal, according to On3. Team staffers told the Dallas Morning News, however, that Daniels and Nwokobia, uh had not yet communicated an intent to transfer yet. This is, this is the new thing, right? When things do not go your way, uh, when there's a coaching change, when there's, when there's whatever there is the possibility that players will stick around on your roster, see how things go, and then decide, you know what? Um, it's, it's effectively sitting out a season, right? It's what they used to do when players would transfer before. You would transfer out of a school, sit for a year, and then you get to play. 
well, now you got to try this out. You got to see what's going to happen, and you don't really like the way that things are headed, so why not go ahead and save the rest of your eligibility for that year, and then you transfer immediately and get to play immediately. I'm not against it. I mean, I guess, like, this is the way it was always going to go. But, man, it's weird. Like, it changes a whole lot of things for SMU because I'm sure they were counting on those guys. So, I'm interested in how this is going to play out and whether or not the NCAA is going to try and do some other things going forward. Uh, Which, speaking of the NCAA, and this is not one that I had written down here, but interesting stuff with them trying to combat using NIL as a recruiting uh, edge, as a a recruiting perk, right? Because they just posted a position for, like, an NIL investigator. Somebody that's going to go in and dig and see, was this a recruiting inducement? And, again, that's something I'm interested in. I want to see what's going on there. All right, finally, last news topic here. And... Let's talk about Missouri football for just a minute. The Missouri versus Memphis game for 2023 is being moved from Memphis, from the Liberty Bowl, over to St. Louis and the dome where the Rams used to play right before they moved over to L.A. There's not really been a whole lot of stuff happening at the dome in St. Louis. It's just this gigantic stadium that's sitting there really kind of unused, and Missouri entered into a contract to play, I believe it's one game a year, there. So they had a game scheduled at Memphis, and according to the story over at the Commercial Appeal, this is Evan Barnes, um, he said this game was going to be bought out. And the contract that was done, this was a contracted game from back in 2010 for a home-and-home series. That had not been finished yet. Missouri was still supposed to come to Memphis. They scheduled it for 2023, and Missouri said, eh, this doesn't really work for us anymore. We're going to buy out of that game. Well, the buyout for Missouri was $250,000. It was nothing. So Memphis, rather than let Missouri buy out of that game and just have to play you know, some podunk team from who knows where, uh, decided it would be in their best interest to actually play the game against Missouri. So Missouri's still going to buy out the game, the $250,000, but Memphis is going to make seven hundred and fifty grand from going to play in St. Louis. So it's a neutral site at uh, what is called the Dome at America Center. But Memphis is going to end up making a million dollars off of this, where they would have made only $250,000 and would have had to replace them with somebody that would have likely been a buy game because this is for next season. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely weird. It says the amount of money Memphis will receive will be a significant increase from what the buyout would have been if the two teams had not played at all, according to the athletic department source familiar with negotiations. Um, this is this is interesting. It's a uh, Laird Veach, who is the AD, said to be clear, we are very disappointed that this game could not be played in Memphis. However, once we were made aware that this would no longer be an option, we explored every possible alternative. In the end, rescheduling the game with Missouri in St. Louis was the best remaining option for our football program. Yeah, uh, because you're not going to be able to get a whole lot of people to show up at the Liberty Bowl to play an FCS team or a lower, lower G5 team. It just it, it ain't going to happen. So, um, 
it's it does say Memphis also announced its home date with Boise State next season, and uh, that'll be on September 30th. So Memphis plays Missouri in a neutral site next year, and they play Boise at home. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess things are good, uh, but you hate to see schools be able to buy out of this stuff. I mean, we saw it this year. Michigan ended up playing nobody in their non-conference because UCLA bought out of their Michigan series. Or Michigan bought out. Either way, somebody bought out of something. We didn't get Memphis, uh, we didn't get Michigan UCLA. So, bottom line. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the five most valuable CFB players of the week in both G5 and P5, along with the most watched games, the NFL spread picks, etc. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And now, back to the show. All right. The top five most valuable college football players of week number five. Let's go on and pull it up on the screen. I'll show you guys what I look at. This is... Uh, if if you can see here, you've got the name, you got what week it is, you got the uh, the position. Now this includes FCS teams as well, uh, but I'm only going over the G5 and uh, the P5, right? Um, let's start off with this, and these are quick reads, so we'll start with the G5 here. Uh, we have got let's see, uh, Colin Lacey from South Alabama at number one, Zachary Franklin from UTSA at number two. Elijah Spencer from Charlotte. It's number three. Demir uh, Blankumsey from Toledo. He's number four here. And then Tez Johnson from Troy is number five. So those are the guys that would have gotten you the most PPA uh, per play last week. I mean, just the Lacey kid from South Alabama. I mean, over 3.086. By the way, this, uh, this is set up to where they have to have had at least five plays in the game. So, uh, some of these can be a little juiced, for sure. In P5, let's start off with this. Number one, Trey Palmer from Nebraska. Number two, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Uh, First quarterback that we have seen in that situation. Um, A lot of his came from rushing, by the way. Number three, Zay Flowers from Boston College. Number four, uh, Rome Odunes from Washington. Uh, and I still don't know how to say his name because every Washington game that I've watched has been on mute. So, regardless. And then finally, number five is Jared Wayne from Pitt. 
So, uh, interesting, interesting guys that pop up in that list every single week. But yeah, uh, eventually we'll start talking about who is the overall top players, who are the MVPs, who's actually providing the most value to these teams. Because uh, as we see, like you lose guys like that that are willing, not willing, guys that can score regularly, guys that add a lot of uh, point value per play to your team. Yeah, those are hard to replace. Uh, Kansas losing Highshaw this week. He was number two on the team in total PPA. So just just something to pay attention to. Uh, the top five most watched games of the week. I typically do like six of them. Um, we'll we'll talk about it. Number one, Alabama Arkansas on CBS did five point eight million people. Uh, NC State versus Clemson on ABC four point seven three two million. Michigan at Iowa on Fox was number three. That one did four point one nine eight million. Uh, UK versus Ole Miss. So Kentucky against Ole Miss on ESPN. That's number four. It did two point seven nine one million. Number five was LSU and Auburn, which did not expect that one. But regardless, that was on ESPN. Uh, number five at two point seven eight seven million. And then number six here was on ABC. Wake Forest and Florida State did two point four eight three. So basically, what you're seeing every single week is the big brands continue to draw, regardless of whether they're any good or not. Right? It helps that they are good. That certainly helps. Uh, but man, I mean, getting Kentucky and Ole Miss. Uh, to have an average of nearly 3 million viewers on a cable channel. Pretty nuts. This is good things. I mean, the SEC is routinely in the top six here. Like, it's just bonkers when you look at it. All right, let's move along to the NFL Week 5 Super Contest Picks Against the Spread. I give out five picks every single week. Thus far on the season through four weeks, I am 11-9 and nine against the spread. Not great, but I will take it for now, I suppose. So, uh, let's start off with this. I'm going to be very fast on these. I'm going to take the Eagles to cover five at Arizona. These lines provided by BetUS, by the way. Not going to give you any notes. I'm just going to tell you what I'm taking, and we're just going to roll from there. The Eagles to cover five against Arizona. Uh, Arizona's pass defense is awful. Jalen Hurts can actually pass the football, so a little surprise there. I think the Eagles cover. Uh, I had that over a touchdown. Let's see. The Broncos, minus 3.5 at home against the Colts. The Colts are bad. I mean, they are really, really bad. And, yes, I understand that the Broncos' offense has not been great, but I think that they have enough offense to score on this Colts defense. This Colts, this Colts team is really, really bad. They have not been able to figure things out. I don't think they're going to do it on the road at mile high. So give me the Broncos to cover three and a half. Ravens, minus three three against the Bengals. Yes, the Bengals looked good against the Dolphins last week. Also, you didn't have Tua for an entire half. Uh, I think that the Ravens are significantly better than the Bengals. And, of course, the Ravens coming off that loss to the Bills where they were right there. I think they're going to be fired up and looking for a win this week. I think they can score on the Bengals' defense, so give me the Ravens to cover three. Cowboys plus a four and a half at the Rams. The Rams have a problem on offense, and the Cowboys' defense is not the team that you really want to be playing when you have a problem on offense. Uh, yes, I understand that the Rams' defense is still good. I get that. Aaron Donald is is ridiculous. However, that Rams' offense, a lot of turnovers, can't move the football, and... I, I will gladly take the Cowboys to cover four and a half there. And then finally, number five for me here, Titans to cover two and a half at the Commanders. 
I don't like this commander's team. I think that Derrick Henry will be able to run the football on them. Uh, overall, commander's not great. I don't like Carson Wentz uh, as a player. Not as per- I mean, I'm sure he's perfectly fine as a person. I don't know him personally. So, regardless. Uh, but I don't like the way that he looks in that offense right now. He looks frustrated. He looks confused. And I would imagine that the Titans' defense will be able to do some things to slow him down. Uh, I think they cover by more than two and a half. So, that is my picks. Eagles, Broncos, Ravens, Cowboys, and Titans for this weekend. Now, let's go ahead and move it on over to the college football viewing guide for week number six here. And, of course, every single week I tell you exactly what I'm going to be watching. What is the most important uh, game for each time slot? Well, let's go on and and talk about it. Let's go on and tell you. Uh, There's not a whole lot that's going on as far as the midweek is concerned. There is a Wednesday night game. So, of course, SMU at UCF on ESPN2 at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. Of course, God's time zone. I will be watching SMU and UCF. I want to see what goes on with SMU missing a few of those guys that have decided to sit out, etc. Um, but really, I just want to see what UCF is like. What is the fan base like? What is going on after that hurricane? Right? There's so many interesting uh, aspects to this game. So there is that. Uh, on Friday, you've got Houston at Memphis. Yes, I am interested in that one because Memphis has started out the season 4-1. and one. They haven't looked great, but they are 4-1. and one. Houston, on the other hand, hasn't looked great, and they are 2-3. and three. So, what is Houston? Like, this was supposed to be a year where they competed for not only the AAC title, but a possible playoff berth. And they their roster looks discombobulated. It looks ridiculous. There's just not a lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, then also on Friday night, late night, UNLV at San Jose State. I want to see if UNLV can run on San Jose State. My guess is they can't. But but UNLV has been a lot of fun this year. Uh, Brumfeld, the quarterback, I mean, this team's really good. I think they could make a bowl game this year. Uh, San Jose State, they got some studs on that defensive line. They got some dudes that could possibly make some NFL rosters. Uh, so pay attention to that. What Brent Brennan is doing at San Jose State may get him a bigger job. Obviously, we talked about him with the Colorado job earlier. Um, moving over to Saturday. This is where we'll we'll dive into it. Saturday... Starting at noon, this is what I will have on the TV. On the main screen, I'm going to have Tennessee at LSU on ESPN. Uh, that one, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's a ranked matchup, number 8 against number 25. I, I'm i curious what Tennessee looks like going to Baton Rouge for the first time in 12 years. That, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, along with that, Texas and Oklahoma on ABC is going to be on one of the side screens. Uh, what does Oklahoma look like if they don't have Dylan Gabriel? Like, Texas is a 7-point favorite there. So I, I'm very curious about that. And then, of course, on the other screen, you got to have TCU and Kansas up there. Now, I don't know that this is going to be particularly close, but it could be. And if it is, I want to be watching. I think that, that crowd is going to be... You're going to have some amazing shots of the crowd for this ballgame. I think it's going to be absolutely outstanding. Uh, so, yes, TCU and Kansas will be the uh, other screen on that. Now, moving into the 3.30 Eastern Time slate, of course... Utah at UCLA. This one's going to be on Fox. I Look, Utah's not undefeated, but UCLA is. And I want to see what UCLA looks like against that Utah defense. Along with that, UCLA's defense is not exactly bad. Utah, of course, without Keithy, 
the tight end, I think Dalton Kincaid can do a lot of the stuff that Keithy did. But regardless, I think this could be a lot closer than people think it could be. Uh, I know you two always covered like five straight against them. I'm just I'm interested in UCLA this year. Very interested. Auburn and Georgia on CBS at the same time. Uh, I think I mean this it should be a mauling, but what is Georgia right now? They should have beaten Missouri a lot worse than they did. They should have beaten Kent State a lot worse than they did. How bored is this team? Does a an old school rivalry match up like this, especially at home? Does that wake them up a bit? I, I want to see what Georgia is. Can Auburn scare them the way that Auburn scared LSU? Right? Uh, and then the other game at that same time, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State on FS1. Very interested in that one because while Oklahoma State has, I think they're like 18-2 and two over the last 20 games. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, any game with Donovan Smith is going to be high variance. Like, this game has the potential to be very, very volatile, especially with Spencer Sanders and Donovan Smith. You could have interceptions all over the place. You, you're you probably going to have a ton of points in this one. I'm I'm interested. I'm interested. Uh, moving into the Saturday night slot, uh, of course, if you watch the show, you know that I'm going to be watching Alabama and Texas A&M. So that one will be on CBS on the main screen. Uh, the other screen, BYU and Notre Dame. Yes, 100%. That looks like it's going to be a dynamite football game. Um and then there's other options, right? So for my other screen, I've got three main screens. Then I've got one that's all the way over on the side. So that's four. And then I've got my iPad, blah, blah, blah. So I'll probably have a bunch of these on. But for my third main screen, do I do Clemson-Boston College? Do I do Washington State-USC? Which could be interesting. That that line got steamed up today. Uh, Kansas State-Iowa State looks like it could be, you know, a lot of fun. Nope. Here's what I'm doing. Uh, Florida State-NC State, interesting, right? I want to watch Iowa and Illinois. I want to see what Brett Bielema's team looks like after going into Madison and just dumping all over the Badgers, right? Can they do it again this week? Can that defense do it? And then, for my late night, I typically only watch like one late night game while I've got, uh, while I'm getting all my notes together for the Sunday morning show. I'm going to turn on Fresno at Boise. I want to see Green, the new quarterback for Boise. I want to see what that Boise State offense looks like with Dirk Cutter as the uh, offensive coordinator now. Uh, Fresno, like, I don't know what this team is without Jake Hanner, and I don't know if Hanner's going to be back. I don't I don't know what the situation is, but I want to see what Jeff Tedford's team looks like against Dirk Cutter's offense, right? <laughs> that's, that's my biggest question here. So those are the teams and the games that I am most looking forward to this weekend. Uh, but there's a lot that will be on. I mean, just a ton of them. Uh, Washington at Arizona State, Louisville, Virginia, Purdue at Maryland. It's going to be fun. Um, I mean, uh, just looking at these at these games, Kent State at Miami of Ohio, like Southern Miss, Troy, Western Kentucky, San Antonio, uh, UTSA, whatever, meet me. Uh, Oregon and Arizona, like that one could be a lot of fun. South Carolina, Kentucky could get interesting. I mean, there's just a ton of fun games. North Carolina and Miami, that one could be a whole lot of fun. Regardless, there's a lot that we will watch this weekend, but those are the games that I will have on my main screens. So we'll see what happens with them. We will see. All right, make sure that you sign up for the picks contest. Of course, over at winningcureseverything.com, just hit the contest button in the top corner of your screen, or you can just follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. I tweet that thing out. 
you can click the link there. It's much easier to get into. So make sure that you sign up. Of course, we partnered with RunYourPool.com uh, on that. So good stuff that they have done thus far this season. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to continuing it as we go along. Now, um, the show, of course, brought to you by BetUS. It is where the game begins. It is America's premier online sports book. Check them out, BetUS.com, or do me a favor and just click the link in the description. That's going to be the best way to do it. So go ahead and click that link. Uh, they got a bunch of sign-up bonuses, etc. Make sure that you take advantage of that. And along with the picks contest, uh, you get a $25 Amazon gift card if you win each week. By the way, it's not like an end-of-the-season thing. It is literally that week. If you win the contest that week, you get a $25 Amazon gift card. And and if you have an account with BetUS, I can get you a $50 free play or uh, an even bigger deposit bonus, all sorts of stuff over there. Uh, I believe we can do we, – we're looking at, like, football jerseys. Stuff like that that we could give away. A lot of different stuff there. So make sure that you sign up for the Picks Contest. With that said, I think it's time to get out of here. You guys have absolutely been fantastic. Make sure and like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you've not already. Share it out with your friends, all that good stuff. And, of course, jump into the podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed over there. Leave a nice five-star review for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. So go ahead and make sure that you knock that out for me. You guys are fantastic. You all know what the deal is. So... Let's go ahead and end it. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, and make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE, and the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.